Welcome to Life Source Church. We are so glad you found us. We hope that you will experience God with us as you hear the preaching of the Word. Sometimes you have to choose. I know that um, I'm sure it has a lot to do with my personality, uh, but when my wife and I get an opportunity to, to go out in the evening, go out to eat. And so we hop in the car and I say, where would you like to go? Because I, I, I want to take her wherever she wants to go, you know. And, and every now and then something gets into her. And she says, you choose. <laughs> Any other guys like me? This, this is like, a, oh, wow, look at that all over the place, see? Um... Okay, let's go to Applebee's. No, not there. Well, I thought you said for me to choose. <laughs> you laugh because it's true, right? But sometimes you have to choose. You have to make choices. Uh, and, and sometimes we tend to put those things off or think we don't have to choose. But there are some choices in life that we absolutely have to make. And the reality is, is that not choosing is a choice because you get the default. You get the choice that's, that's already naturally there. And what I, I want to talk to you about today is um, three choices that every one of you make that will determine your destiny in life, not only in life now, but in your eternity. They determine your destiny. And uh, so very, very important choices. You know, the younger you are, and this is probably not really quite accurate, so the, the younger you are, the more important these choices are. That's not really true, but the younger you are, the longer impact this is gonna have in your life. Those of us older, we have less impact, but just as important choices. And so you wanna look at your life and say, how are these choices working for me? And do they honor God? And are they getting me where he wants to go and where I want to go? So turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. And, and uh, I changed the name of this sermon. Uh, it's not what the Bible, what the Bible says. <laughs> what the bulletin says. <laughs> the bulletin is not the Bible. Um, and the sermon has been titled, You Choose Now. You Choose. And so let's begin in verse number 19. We're on page 1117 in the Bible that's in the pew, and we really encourage you to follow along with us. And it says this, starting in verse 19. Jesus says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now, Jesus is focusing in here on money and possessions as we go on through this and then later in the chapter, he's really talking about how we, we view stuff and whether we depend on it or we depend on God. Uh, all sorts of issues come to play here. But what I want you to see here today, I want you to see beyond the money thing. The money thing's important, because that's what Jesus is using here to illustrate it. 
But the first choice that you make that absolutely determines your destiny is what you set your heart on. What you set your heart on. In the book of Proverbs, it tells us that we need to guard our heart diligently because out of our hearts come all the other things of life, all the issues of life, affects everything. And so Jesus here is telling us that what you choose to set your heart on is gonna determine not only what you experience in this life, but in the life to come. And here he contrasts two things. He's talking about treasures. Well, let, let's think about treasures in this way. It would certainly include your money. It would include your money. It would include your possessions and your stuff. But I would say to you that treasures, when we're thinking about this principle, treasures would apply to anything that's really important to you, anything that you value. You know, your time. Sometimes you treasure your time, sometimes, don't you? And more than others, you notice it. Uh, you treasure your relationships, the people in your life. Maybe you treasure your work and what you get to do, or maybe it's some form of recreation that you just, you know, love, but your treasures. And Jesus says that we have two main choices here we can make, and one choice is to invest our treasures in the here and now. Right? In other words, we live as though here and now is the end game. Are you with me on that? You know what I'm saying? We live as though uh, this life is all we really have to be concerned about. It's all we have to focus on. But the reality is, is there's a life after this one, isn't there? That we must think about and prepare. Well, I guess must, we ought, I should say. Uh, and so he contrasts these two things. He talks about if you are focusing your treasures on this life and the here and now, guess what happens? How many of you have ever bought a new car and came out in the parking lot and found that somebody had with the door? And how did you feel? <laughs> Anybody have, ever have anything stolen from you? Okay. You ever anything break? Yeah, we all got that one, right? I mean, on and on it goes. Anybody ever have, you don't have to raise your hand on this, anybody ever have relationships that didn't end up being what you'd hoped they'd be? Or maybe they became very hurtful. Um, and so on and on it goes. But what we say is if, if we're gonna focus on this life, you are setting yourself up for a world of hurt. A world of hurt. And not just in this life, but in the one to come because you won't have invested in the life to come. And that's where he says here, though, if you invest your stuff now in things related to God and what God is doing and what his purposes and plans are in heavenly things, as it says here, if you invest your treasures in those things, God stores those treasures up. Now, what they look like in heaven, we don't know. But the idea is you're making an investment in heavenly things. And so you think, well, what does this mean? Well, okay, so you have a car. Most of you probably have a car. And you start thinking about this car. And you say, all right, this is sort of a treasure to me. I need this thing. It's valuable to me. It's important to me. How can I invest my car either in heavenly things or in earthly things? Well, it comes down to the first thing you've got to say is whose car is it? Is it yours or God's? And you start saying, wait a minute, if I want to invest this in heavenly things, this car is your car, God. What do you want me to do with your car? (laughs) 
I want you to take it to work. I want you to, you know, go work. I want you to get your family to church and use it for the things you need. Oh, and by the way, you know, they asked in church last night, they said that person over here needs a, a ride to church. I'd like you to use that car to pick them up. Now, I'm not saying you have to always go pick people, but you understand what I'm trying to say? You start to think, oh, this is cars for God. It's his, to be used for his plans and purposes. And then when you take that car and use it for that, somehow or rather, this treasure, you're investing in heavenly things, and God is keeping track of that, and when you get to heaven, there's reward. It's a forever kind of thing. If your car is only about the here and now, it's gonna rust out, isn't it? Somebody's gonna run into it. It's gonna be nothing but a problem. But how are you going to make the decision? You're gonna make the decision based on what you set your heart on. And if you set your heart on this world only, and I'll say a little more about that in a little bit, you set your heart on this world only, this is what it's about, guess where your treasure's gonna be? It's gonna be here, and it's going to be the kind that will never satisfy, that will never last, that will never accomplish things that matter forever. Be wasted and gone when your life is over. But if you set your heart on the things of God, on, on him, the, the mission that he has given us, and living your life, this, by the way, do you know this is God's intention for you and I as Christians? God is not into half-hearted Christianity. God is not into Christianity that's an add-on to your life. The kind of Christianity that God is, is into is when he says, give me your whole life. Yield yourself completely to me to, to do whatever, whenever, wherever, however, no matter what it costs you. That's the kind of Christianity that God is into. And that's you need to put your heart, set your heart on God and his plans, his purposes, his kingdom. Set your heart on those things. Not only will it bring his blessing into your life now, by blessing, I don't mean life won't get hard, life might get hard anyway, but it'll be purposeful. It won't be wasted. So he's gonna bless you now and then the blessings will follow you into eternity forever. That's a pretty good choice, isn't it? You might say, well how do I know where my heart is? How do I know? Well, what did Jesus say? For where your treasure is, what? That's where your heart is going to be. And so you want to know where is your heart? Look, where's your treasure? And you think about what you treasure. What's the first thing that you think about in the morning? Coffee, I know. <laughs> as soon as I said it, I thought, me too. Um, I'm exaggerating. But I mean, I'm talking about big, important things. What's the first big, important thing you think about? And it's not coffee. What do you think about in the morning? What's your day about? What's important? What's the most important thing to you as you begin your day? Is it your relationship with God? Learning, getting to know Him, please Him? That you've actually scheduled your life so that most of the time you're able to get up in the morning and have a little bit of time purposely focusing on your relationship with God? Now, what's the last thing you think of before you go to sleep at night? What, when you have an opportunity, some freedom to make some choices about what you're doing, what comes to mind? How do you make those choices, see? 
because you're taking all these things that are important to you and treasures and doing things with them. And so if you want to know where your heart is, see where you're investing all those things. And let me say this to you today, if you're saying, I want my heart to be on the right things. I do want my heart to be on God, but I find myself struggling. Well, let's turn this upside down a little bit. Why don't you put your treasures where you want your heart to be? You see what I'm saying? Don't you say, I, I struggle with having a heart that's devoted to God and that's single-hearted. I struggle with that, but I want to. And, but what I'm saying you do is you start taking your treasure. You take your money, your possessions, your, your time, your relationships, your abilities, all those kind of things, all these things that you would say you treasure and start investing them in the things of God. Guess where your heart will end up? Where your treasure is. And that's where your heart will be. And so the first choice that you make that will determine your destiny in this life and in the one to come. And I'm not talking about eternal destiny where you go to heaven or hell. We'll talk about that in a minute. I'm talking about what you experience now and in eternity. The first choice is what you set your heart on. Set your heart on God, the things of God. The second choice we find in verses 22 and 23. He says this, the lamp of the body is the eye. Now Jesus is using some symbols here to help us understand something. The lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? You say, say what? What? Well, let's just go back and walk our way through it. So the lamp, what's a lamp for? Yeah, and the idea here would seem to be as you're walking through life, so we're gonna think of kind of a lantern kind of lamp. Why would you have a lantern, a lamp to hold up? To see where you're going, to see what's around you, to see the way things are, so you know what to do and how to go, all right? And, and so we're talking about how do you see the world around you? What lamp do you shine on the world around you to know the way things are and where you ought to go and where you ought to avoid and all that kind of stuff? All right, and he's talking about the eye, so he's talking about the eye. It's, it's talking about how do you see things? How do you see the world around you? How do you evaluate what's going on in the world around you? How do you evaluate what's really true and what's not? How do you evaluate what's profitable and what's not? How do you evaluate what's wise and what's not? You see, you look at the world some way, don't you? Have you ever run into somebody who just has an extremely cynical view of the world? Anybody? I didn't ask if any of you did. <laughs> but you know, it colors, it colors everything, doesn't it? It affects everything because how they see the world affects. Well, you make choices about how you see the world. And, and here are your two choices. Your choices are the way God says it is, which is the way it is, or some other way. Is there more than one way to look at the world? What's the point? What's the purpose of the world? What am I trying to, all this kind of stuff. Yeah, and so the Bible talks about seeing the world a good way, and when you do that, when you start to take this and you apply this to your life and you, you start to understand it, and by the way, you're not gonna understand everything the Bible says. You're not. Somebody said, I don't know who it was, I don't know who said it first, but it's the truth. The, you know, I've, I've come to the point where the th things I don't understand the Bible says, don't really bother me. The things that bother me are the things I understand. Okay? And so that's what you focus on. 
But when you take the word of God and you take what you do understand, you start to go, you, you're looking and you're reading what, what uh, is said here and then you, you look out and you go, oh, I see. I see what's going on. I see what the ways of God are here or what I need to avoid here. I can see it. And, and so we're gonna take God's view of the world, which is the way it really is, and make a purposeful decision to see it that way. And when I do, I have a wonderful lamp, good eye, I can see clearly. I can make good choices, which will affect my life now and affect my life in eternity. But what if you don't do that? What if you look at it some other way? Right? What's going to happen? I mean, what if you have a lamp that just isn't very good? Anybody ever had a car where all of a sudden the lights didn't work? On, I had that. No lights. What do you do? You don't see very well, do you? It gets really dicey. And so, you know, how are you going to deal with this? That's the way life is when we don't purposefully, on purpose, spend the time learning to understand what God says about the world, about me in the world, understand all that, applying it to life. That's when you can see clearly, but when you don't do that, you're in the dark. And he says, if the way you see the world is messed up, you're really messed up. Right? If your eye's evil, if your eye's bad. And, and he is talking about this. This is in a context of a, decis- a discussion about money. So about, in fact, we go back to Proverbs. It says, the person who has an evil eye is always in a hurry to get rich and to get money. Always about money, about money, about money, about money. And so that's what he's talking about here in the context. But you can see again, that person's looking at the world the wrong way. And then they make wrong choices that lead to bad results. Aha, any of you ever looked at your money the wrong way and had bad results because of it? Some of you are working your way out of that right now in life. But so whatever it is, you gotta understand that how you choose to look at the world affects your destiny in this life and in the one to come. And you need to make a decision to choose. I am going to learn to see the world the way God says it is. And that's going to require you to do the work of opening up your Bible and spending time. You might say, I don't have a clue how to do that. Talk to us. We'd love to help you. But you got to get in there and learn. So the first choice, what you set your heart on. The second choice is how you look at the world, how you see the world. That brings us to the third choice. Verse 24. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Okay, and that word mammon means, you know, the riches, wealth, possessions, but in this situation here, it's been personalized as a master. So Jesus is telling us something here. There's just a principle to start off with. And this idea of masters, this isn't like employers directly. Okay? Masters were, had more authority than that in life. And you can almost say this is more like the, the servant slash slave. Not slavery like we had in the United States. But in other words, this person you answer to, and they can tell you what to do and what not to do. That's the master. 
You can't serve two. Why? Because I'm doing what this one says, and then this one says, do this. Oh, so I have to be disloyal to you now to be loyal over here. And I'm doing this, and this one over here is saying, what, do you hate me? Oh, no. And back and forth. This uh, hate one and love the other, uh, this is a, uh, comes from a Hebrew figure of speech. They would all, whenever they wanted to make a contrast between good and bad, uh, what was preferred and what's not preferred, uh, they would often use hate and love just to make really clear this contrast. And we say in here, is it you're going to try to serve two masters? You can't. Won't work. Because what you're going to say is, okay, in this life, I'm going to take my treasures, and you know what? I'm going to kind of try to keep God in the mix, but I'm going to do what I want to do with them. You know, and and I'm going to look at the world the way God says it is, and and the things I like, I'm going to apply, and the things I don't like, I'm, you know, I'm going to do something different, and you can't serve two masters. Will not work. It's impossible. And I didn't say it, did I? I mean, I just said the words. But who said it? Who? The Lord Jesus Christ said it. You cannot serve two masters. And, And so... The choice you make here, determine your destiny, you're gonna make a decision. Am I gonna serve this life and the possessions, the things that are here and now? Is that what's gonna be important to me? And by the way, you notice you serve somebody? Everybody serves somebody or something. And here's your options. You know, there's only two options. You either serve God or you serve anything or anyone else. That's your two choices. And it affects your destiny in this life and in the one to come. So the third choice that determines your destiny is who are you going to serve? Who's going to be your master? Who's going to determine your directions and your decisions? And I would say on this last one, the idea of serving two masters, that Before you come to Jesus Christ, you only have one master you serve. And that is Satan, that is sin, that is the ways of this world. That's what you serve by nature. You, that's who you are. We, Lord's Supper, we talked about how God freed us from that controlling power. But once you trust Christ as Savior, now you have the option to serve the one true master, the Lord Jesus Christ, the God of the Bible. You can serve him. But see, that's the point. If you're here today and you haven't trusted Christ as Savior, you haven't yielded to him as the Lord of your life, you can't even make this choice. And so, if you don't know what I'm talking about, here's what we're talking about, is that every one of us are born with a nature that is bent away from God to do our own thing, to be self-centered, and the Bible describes it as sinful nature. And because we have a sinful nature, we do sinful things. And because of that, we are separated ourselves from God and we are guilty before God and God has to judge our sin. And, and the Bible's quite clear that if we stand in judgment before God and he judges us on the basis of our sin, we go to hell because that's what we deserve. Oh, the good news though is that God said, I love you so much that I've sent my son in the world, the Lord Jesus Christ, to live a perfect and sinless life and when he died on the cross, 
that, that God the Father somehow put my sins and your sins on him. He paid the penalty for our sins. Rose again from the dead three days later. And the Bible says that if you will acknowledge that, that yes, I have sinned, God. Yes, my sins have separated me from you. Yes, I know that if you judge me on the basis of sins, I'm going to hell. But I believe that Jesus died for my sins, rose again from the dead. And right now, I trust Jesus as my Savior. I receive his payment for my sins and his forgiveness. And when you do that, you're choosing him as master. And that's the very first step of surrender to God, is trusting Christ as Savior. And we're not done here yet today, but let's do this. Let's just all bow our heads. Close your eyes. Nobody looking around. But I, I'm going to ask you, for me, I want to pray here in just a moment. If you are confident, you are, are just so confident, you know for a fact that you have, at some point in your life, received Christ as Savior. You trusted him as your Savior. Right now, would you just raise your hand? Yes, hands all over the place. Thank you. You can put them down. But maybe you're here today and you say, I'm just not sure about that. And I want to know that my sins are forgiven. I want to receive Christ as Savior, but I'm not sure that I've done that. If that describes you here today, you say, I'm not sure about this. Would you just raise your hand? Yes, a number of hands. I want to give you an opportunity. You can put the hands down. I'll give you an opportunity right now to once and for all settle this, to choose God as Master, to receive Christ as Savior. I'm going to pray a prayer, and I'm going to ask you to repeat it after me in your heart, your mind. You say it silently. God hears and knows, but mean it from your heart. Just right now, let's settle this. Say this, something like this to God. Say, God, I know that I've sinned. I know that my sins have separated me from you. And I know that my sins will send me to hell. I believe that Jesus died for my sins. And I believe that he rose again. Right now, the best I know how, I receive Christ as Savior. I accept his payment for the penalty for my sins. And I accept the forgiveness and eternal life in Jesus. Amen. Nobody looking around, heads still bowed, eyes closed. If you prayed with me today, in just a moment I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. If you prayed with me today and you meant it from your heart, you prayed to God and, and, and received Christ as Savior, I want to pray for you here. Right now with no one looking around, would you just raise your hand and say, yes, I prayed with you to do that. Yes, I see those hands. Yes, I see those. Yes, thank you. Thank you. You can put them down. Father, I pray and so grateful, so thankful that you do eternal things in our lives. I'm so thankful for these five, Father, who raise their hands today saying that they've received your Son as Savior. Oh, God, help them to, to know and understand the reality that, that you have now forgiven every sin they ever have or ever will commit, that they now have eternal life. When this life ends, they go on living with you. And that you come, that you've come to live within them now and will begin working and helping and changing them from the inside out. 
And I pray, Father, they'll connect with us and let us help them to grow and understand their decision and what it means to live the Christian life. Oh, God, you're so good to us. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Aren't you excited for those five? All right. We're not done yet. Planned this preaching series. It was in the late spring, and we set all the dates out and what passages would be preached when. All right. We also, you know, we even mentioned here last week, we were talking about we need to, to address our parking lot and issues, uh, and that's going to, you know, cost money for us, and we have to raise them, all this kind of stuff. And so we're planning when do we want to do this, and how's this going to lay out. And without us planning it, those two things came together today. It's God challenging us about the choices we make, right? And challenging us where our treasure is. And who we're going to serve God or our stuff, all these kinds of things. And a challenge to us about how do we handle the obstacle that is before us. So I want to talk to you about this for just a few minutes. And this is, what this really is, it's just still part of the sermon because it's an application of what we talked about today. Very practical application. Uh, so we start with the fact that God has given us a mission. Go ahead and give, yeah, the next slide there. God has given us a mission, right? Our mission is to go into all the world and make disciples, right? That means we win people to Christ and we teach them what it means to be a Christian, help them to live it, and we do that together. Uh, God has given us Vision 2028. Uh, we'll talk more about that here in the near future probably, but the idea is that we have assumed a responsibility for the greater Worcester area of making sure that everybody has a genuine opportunity to know Christ. It's a half million people, 31 communities. It's way beyond us, but it's not beyond God. But he's given us this mission. Now, sometimes things get in the way of the mission, don't they? Some obstacles arise, okay? And when obstacles arise, we need to remove those obstacles, okay? By faith, we, say, we need to say, God, how do we remove this obstacle? Some obstacles we can't remove and we have to ask God to do it. Some things he says, okay, here's how you remove it. Well, way back in 1984, and actually before that, in, in the early part of 1984 and in late 1883, every time it rained or snowed, everybody walked from that parking lot in, in the mud and walked back out into the mud. And the church realized at that time, the church was pretty small at the time, the church realized that, you know what, that is an obstacle for unsaved people coming, you know? It's just people don't want to walk in the mud. And so that was an obstacle, and, and, and by faith, they voted. They, they voted that time. We don't have to vote today because of where we're at. But they decided we need to pave the parking lot. And by faith, they stepped out began collecting money, and by Easter of that year, the parking lot was in place. It was really exciting. It was a great time of growth, because what happened is when the church stepped up and said, we gotta trust God here, and this is bigger than us, but we gotta do it, and we're gonna trust him to do it, it changed the church. It changed the people, changed the hearts of the people. They sold out for the mission, okay? They made their choices. And the church grew in the next two years 60%. And we, you know as well as I do, it had nothing to do with the fact there was asphalt out there. But God had used that to change the church, to change the people in the church. 
Well, so we had brand new paving out there. Well, now here we are 30 years later. How'd the parking lot look this morning? Anybody stumble on the way in? <laughs> it's in really bad shape, okay? And so we find ourselves again, that we have this mission that God's entrusted to us and we have this obstacle that is there once again. It speaks volumes to people who drive by and who drive in. And, and if you think, you know, that people don't pay attention, they do because, uh, let me ask you this, I know there's at least one of you here, but how many of you, at some point in the past, you, you would drive, before you came to Christ, you drive past the church and when you drive past, God would occasionally tug at your heart about your relationship with him. How many of you? One, two, three, four, five, okay. See, but people drive by and see this kind of stuff. So, but what we don't want to do is, is give the enemy a handle. Oh, yeah, but they obviously aren't doing well there. You know, I'm driving by, yeah, they, you know, they don't take care of their stuff. They, whatever. I mean, it seems silly to us who know the Lord because we know that paving and buildings have nothing to do with spiritual things directly. And yet, uh, pastors I've talked to have said that when they have like newly paved their lot and do that, they have people who stop in because all of a sudden something's happening. They want to see what's going on. And some of them get saved. I mean, it's just, it's just part of it, okay? And so we need to remove this obstacle by faith, right? By faith, we need to go before God and figure out how do we remove this obstacle. And so we're talking now, uh, uh, we're describing this process as paving the way to outreach. Paving the way to outreach. We want to remove obstacles so we can provide more opportunities and better opportunities for people to come to Christ. So uh, let's just, again, to be really clear. Are we about building buildings? Is that what we're about? Not me. Are we about paving parking lots? Is that what we're about? No. Are we about making sure we have nice stuff that we can enjoy? No. But we are about the mission, aren't we? We're about the mission. And so this is, we're paving the lot because we want to reach people for Christ. See, that's what we have to get. The, the, com the biggest commitment that we are, uh, are going to be asking ourselves or challenging ourselves about is are we going to be committed to the mission God has entrusted to us? That's the commitment we need to make. And then we say, what, what do we need to do then to remove the obstacles, All right? We want to uh, focus in on this and accomplish it for at least three reasons. One is that we need a more welcoming appearance. I already talked to you about that, okay? But another thing we want is to have a warmer atmosphere. And, and warmer atmosphere is not just the idea of the parking lot, but you understand that that parking lot right now looms before everything? You know, there are things that we ought to do inside the building that would provide a warmer atmosphere. But really, you know, every time we do something like that in here, we're putting that off. And I don't know what that'll be like next year. <laughs> yeah, we don't know. But the point is, it's not getting any better. And it's getting worse rapidly. And so uh, when we get that done, this could open up for us to begin to do some things in here that we could provide a warmer atmosphere. And then a wider audience. There are things we could do that would provide us a wider audience for our sermons and our Bible studies, all that kind of thing. But once again, we need to get that done because it's, it's, it's only going to get worse. Now, 
um, two, two years ago, we began investigating this. And we um, got, ended up with three bids that actually came to us. Uh, we got one bid um, of $110,000. And we weren't sure you know, whether this person could actually accomplish it. Uh, then we had a bid for 128000 and a bid for 148000 And the guy who said it would be in the 160s didn't even give us a bid. <laughs> All right. So we started getting bids again this year. Dan Chase helped me do this, uh, get some bids. Uh, we ended up with three bids. Uh, one is, uh, well, there actually two of them are about 115000 We thought they might be a little higher. But we got a bid from a man who... Um, it's been in the business for years, has the equipment, able to do it, actually seems pretty interested, excited in the job for $100,000. <coughs> the max. Okay, he said it could be 90, but it won't be more than 100. So we're very grateful for that, right? God seems to be opening doors and moving in, and he can even make it less than that if he chooses. So how are we going to do this? Well, here's the plan. Here's the plan. The first thing we're going to do is we're going to pray, right? We're going to start today praying about this. Uh, and, and we are going to schedule a few special prayer times that we will invite you to come and be a part of. We're encouraging you that when you get together, if you're in a ministry and you get together, just spend a little bit of time praying about this. We even encourage you, if you get together in the church and just for social Hey, take a minute, include. Let's pray about this. Because um, unless some of you, somebody has $100,000 out there you'd like just to give us today, uh, you happen to bring it with you today. Uh, if that's not the case, this is a big thing for us, isn't it? $100,000 for us to come up with. It's not a big thing for God, but it's a big thing for us. But I want you to know, here's, here's what I'm excited about. We're going to pray about this, and God's going to do it however he's going to do it. We don't know, but we are going to pray about it. But do you understand he's going to, what he's doing is he's training us to pray about big things to accomplish his purposes. See, he's doing something bigger than parking lots. So we want you to be, be pray, and then we, we want you to give, we're asking you to give, starting now, between now and September the 14th, we're asking for you to uh, give as much cash as you can possibly give, all right? We're asking you to pray about it, to give sacrificially, think about, look at your finances, think, well, what could we give up so we could give it away? Um, Ask God to provide extra money for you. When, so when surprise money comes in, oh, God has given us this to give away. Um, now, one thing I don't want you to do, please do not do. Don't say, okay, pastors tell us to give sacrifice, and, and we go, and next thing you know, in the power of our own flesh and our own strength, we're trying to pull this off. <sighs> don't do that. What we want you to do is we want you to go to God and say, God, what do you want us to give? What do you want us to give, God? We're willing, to, we've already settled these choices we're talking about today. We're willing to give sacrificially. What, what do you want us to give? And give that. Don't give a penny more. Don't give a penny less. And when every one of us in here is doing what God wants us to do that way, God will get us where he wants us to be when he wants us to be there. 
So give. Give sacrificially between now and September 14th. We set that as a date because we really need to have some idea where we're at, whether we think we're going to be able to get the parking lot paved this fall or not. Because it gets too late into the fall and we can't. Okay? And now, on September the 14th, we will let you know how much has come in. We're not going to let you know how much has come in before then. We want everybody to give what God wants you to give. And on that date, we will, after we take the offering that day, we will report back, here's what God has provided so far. Okay? Wouldn't it be awesome if it was all of it? Oh, that'd be exciting. I'll dance a little jig up here if you do that. Okay? Um, and then we are going to, we'll have commitment cards that day if it doesn't all come in and where you can say, okay, God has led us to give this much every week or biweekly or monthly or whatever. We're going to give this much uh, until the, the need is met. Okay? And, and then we will make our plans accordingly. And then from September 14th on, you, we continue praying and we continue giving. But what I want you to see here is this plan. We have this plan. But here's the real plan. The real plan is God. Right? The real plan is God. Apart from him, we can't do anything. And if we pave the lot doing our own thing, we've wasted it. We want to do God's thing. And so our mission here, again, remove this obstacle by faith. We have to trust God, step out and do those things uh, because really we're talking about outreach. We're talking about outreach. We have a mission to carry out and this obstacle is in the way. And so we want to remove this obstacle so we can provide greater opportunities to make disciples. Are, are we with the Lord on this? Your heart gets stirred. I'm excited to see what God's going to do. I'm asking him to grow me through this. And not just as pastor, but in my own approach to this in my personal life. And uh, I've talked enough. <laughs>